Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Figure It Out podcast with me, Chandler Collins. College Basketball Monday, as always. The first and second round of the NCAA tournament has been finalized. We are now in Sweet 16 mode. My guy, Garrett Skipworth, joining me, as always, after an incredible weekend of hoops. So many hoops, starting with the play-in games. We'll first briefly mention... What a season for the SEMO Redhawks. Uh, they fell to Texas A&M Corpus Christi last Tuesday in a thrilling play-in game. The entire nation tuned in. Um, it was a great game, but the uh, the tournament sometimes can be really brutal, especially when you have something invested in it. And it came down to the wire, but um, uh, really the, the, the story of that game and really a, a lot of tournament games so far over the first four days technically – has been free throw shooting, and the Red Hawks struggled at the line. They were actually finished 9 of 20 and lost by 4. Um, and ironically enough, the first play of the game uh, on offense for SEMO was a foul on a three-point shot, um, and our one of our best players missed all three free throws. And um, that's just a brutal way to begin just those points alone right there in the first 30 seconds of the game could have made it a one point game at some point um, of the, of the duration, but hell of a season for the Red Hawks, something they hadn't done all year. Um, and we'll get to the other play in games as well, because we have some, some real contenders coming from those play in games. But uh, first let's hear from skip Skeeby, How you doing buddy? Um, really awesome. First and second round tough for the Duke blue devils, but uh, we'll, we'll get to them. First off, what are your, how are you doing? Man, Shan. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think that that SEMO game, that playing game truly just set the entire tone for the whole tournament. That was a great first game. Uh, really sorry that SEMO could not pull that off. I was, I was rooting for him hard and heavy. Um, but uh brutal game for them man, to lose in that fashion. Like you said, nine for 20 from the free throw line. I felt like that was a very big storyline throughout a lot of games in the tournament was uh, the lack of success from the free throw line. And uh, anyone who knows basketball knows that uh, the old saying is that you can win and lose games at the free throw line. And I think that that's been the case for a lot of teams, Uh, but just a phenomenal first couple of days. I mean, could not have asked for anything better other than like you said, my Duke blue devils, uh, Wish they would have been able to advance, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But um, just crazy upsets, true March madness. Um, I mean, I just could not stop watching every single game. It was just one after the other. Uh, just the best of the best, man. And and uh, I'm really hoping that these next couple rounds are just as good as the first couple rounds were because, um, I mean, March madness, you just can't beat it, man. Yeah, it's a it's a blessing and a sin, really, um, because the first four days are so epic. And like you said, there's games at all hours of the night. And then you get to the Monday following the first and second round. And um, there isn't really much going on. Fortunately enough, though, I have a little bit of uh, invested in the uh, women's bracket because my office, um, we have a uh, we, we filled out a women's bracket. So I'm going to try and win that. Um, and also have a really good friend of mine who coaches for the Tennessee Lady Vols. Uh, she's been on the show. Her name's Liza. So rooting for the Lady Vols right now. They're actually playing against Toledo at the moment. So give a shout out to the women's side of things. 
Uh, I saw Ole Miss beat Stanford, who Stanford had been to 14 straight Sweet 16s on the women's side, um, and that streak was snapped yesterday. So there's been some madness on their side too, but let's get back to the men. I think the biggest storyline, obviously, from the first two days uh, was Fairleigh Dickinson, who took down Purdue. And, you know, the people that uh, religiously listen to this show knew the recipe to beat Purdue. And I think the country knew the recipe to beat Purdue. And Fairleigh Dickinson surely knew the recipe to beat Purdue as they defeated them um, on, I believe it was, was it Thursday night? I think it was Thursday night, 60 three to 58 um they just flat out blitzed them bro uh we talked about it all year purdue inexperienced guard play really young and outside of Edie, they struggled to score and um fdu picked them up full court blitzed them like i said and it 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 resulted in one of the biggest upsets since virginia and umbc and really while i'm on this subject Virginia goes down again in the tournament to Furman, which Skip was all over that. I'll let him have his flowers here in a second. But um, I think Virginia off the hook a little bit, now not being the only 116 loser um, be- given Purdue's performance. But, man, you got to feel for a guy like Zach Eady. Um, he was the reason that Purdue was in the position they were in. And we talked about it last week, and we warned the listeners. We didn't think they were going to lose in the first round, but the 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 recipe was out to beat them, Skip, don't you think? Yeah, 100%, Chan. And we were both uh, – I feel like we were both all over that all season long with Purdue. And and uh, like you said, I, I got to give myself a little bit of credit on that Virginia call. That was a pretty good one. Um, but, yeah, man, it's just so crazy in the tournament. And Fairleigh Dickinson's coach uh, touched on this a lot whenever he was asked uh, post-game, you know, kind of how they attacked Purdue and what they did to be successful. And um, a lot of the times, man, it's it comes down to even though these teams are obviously way smaller schools, um, they don't play nearly the caliber that, that a team like Purdue plays all season long. Um, but – they, you know, it, it, a lot of times it comes down to the style of play. And Fairley Dickinson came out, like you said, they picked him up full court. Um, they're they're applying a lot of ball pressure. They have really, really good guards. Um, they shoot a lot of threes. They play at just a very high-paced um, style of, of basketball. And, and uh, you know, Purdue, on the other hand, with Zach Eady, man in the middle, they like to play a lot in the half court. They play a little bit of a slower style of a game. And so um, even though, you know, these schools on paper are are not evenly matched, sometimes those matchups, they just they happen to fall where they fall. And I feel like that was a perfect example of, uh, you know, Fairleigh Dickinson just imposing their will. And and uh, the beauty of March Madness, Chan, is that these lower level teams, they have absolutely nothing to lose. And, you know, even though uh, as talented as Purdue is and they ended up getting a one seed, they could they sometimes have a little bit of, of pressure on them to, um, you know, to perform and, and to uh, exceed those expectations, so to speak. And so whereas Fairleigh Dickinson, man, they have absolutely nothing to lose. They uh, they were looking to shock the world and they did that. Um, they're really, really fun to watch. Um I think that they uh, they noted several times on the broadcast that they are actually 
the smallest Division One school in the entire nation, um, which is so awesome. And they showed a, a lot of uh, pictures of like the side by side look of Purdue's gym and Fairleigh Dickinson's gym. Um, and I mean, Purdue's gym, it obviously looked like a normal college basketball gym, whereas Fairleigh Dickinson's gym looked like a JV high school gym. Yeah. So, uh, just so cool, man. Like you said, second time in history that that's been done. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, this isn't the last time. I, I feel like the dynamic of March Madness nowadays, it's uh, not so much more top heavy with, with like the blue blood schools, so to speak. I feel like the uh, the talent is, you know, kind of shifting more towards evenly all across the board. And uh, I think that that's why this year we saw a lot of upsets. Yeah, and I think, too, um, I you know, I know it's the playing game and stuff, but I really do think that playing a game, getting a game under your belt, winning a game, and then playing a team that hasn't played yet is a big advantage. And for a team that can really run up and down the floor, they were ready to go from the jump. And Purdue hadn't played since the Big Ten championship game and came out a little flat, and all of a sudden they were smacked in the mouth, and um, and and it, it cost them in the end. Let's stay right there, though, because Fairleigh Dickinson played last night. Unfortunately, their Cinderella story came to a close because of my Florida Atlantic Owls. Um, picked them to go to the Sweet 16 in my Figure It Out pod bracket, which, by the way, is going really well. Um, I forget who's in first place, but I know I'm tied for 23rd. But I have a lot of max points left. I, I can make some some noise here in the Sweet 16, and I think a lot of it has to do with the Owls. Been on them since early February, middle of February. I I just there were 31 and three coming into the tournament, scoring 80 points per game. Um, I don't care what conference you play in, who you are, that's impressive and very difficult to do. Um, they won a thrilling game against Memphis, and there was some controversy with the referees and to lightly touch on that, there wasn't a timeout called. Um, they called a jump ball, giving the ball back to the Owls. And while I understand the argument for Memphis trying to get that timeout, it was a tough, it was a scramble. The refs looking at the ball, and the guy for Memphis with the basketball was not calling a timeout. It was his teammate standing around the pile. And as a referee, I'm sorry. That's I, I'm on the ref side there. You, you can't – you're so focused on the ball and it's just the human instinct that he doesn't get the timeout called. And I was fine with the jump ball. Owls get the ball back. They go. They run it beautiful in out of out of the uh, out of the inbounds pass. They run a beautiful play, get an easy look at the rim. And the Owls won by a single point, 66-65. And then last night, take down Fairleigh Dickinson. Funny, I have to say, takes down because they were hot during that game. The Owls were on the ropes here and there, but they found a way to to kind of fight fire with fire and, and increase the pace. And it really looked like Fairleigh Dickinson's legs kind of gave out after playing so hard for, for two games, basically. Um, they won 78-70. They will be in the Sweet 16 taking on the Tennessee Volunteers. Um, I, I, I love this Florida Atlantic team. They can absolutely stroke it from deep. And if they get hot, I don't know why they can't go to the Elite Eight, Garrett. Yeah, no, you uh, you hit that one right on the money, Chan. And, um, you know, my bracket is pretty much shot 
so uh, I might as well just throw mine in the trash at this point. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> if I had to, uh, if I had to start from the Sweet Sixteen, man, as good as Tennessee looked over Duke, uh, which Tennessee is a very, very tough physical team, um, I, I might take Florida Atlantic in that Tennessee game. You know, they're they're riding a lot of momentum. They can really score, like you said. Um, they have really, really good guard play. I mean, last night in that Fairleigh Dickinson game, which you talked about how good of a game that was, that was honestly one of my favorite games that I've watched throughout the, the pace was insane. So it was incredible. And it seemed like, uh, you know, it was a anything you can do, I can do better type of type of game. Like they mm-hmm. would, Fairleigh Dickinson would come down, make an incredible, you know, and one or a three. And then Florida Atlantic every single time had an answer. And they would come back and, and just smack them right back in the mouth. And so uh, they got that. Uh, they got John L. Davis, uh, who scored 29 points last night. Uh, he was really, really taking over the game at the uh, at the very end. And um, I think that they're just hungry, man. Anytime you can uh, win th- over 30 games in a season, you're a really, really good basketball team. And uh, you know they were hovering in that top 15, top 20. Uh, all season long and they were the type of team that no one really talked about that that uh, all that much but they just kind of uh, hung in there they stuck around they stayed consistent and uh, now the the entire world is seeing how good of a team they are so um, I really do like Florida Atlantic to move on to the Elite Eight and in the bracket let's wrap up the east uh, the bottom part of the east Uh, my Providence Friars crashed out and they kind of start um, it's funny how fast the tournament uh, turns up the coaching carousel. Ed Cooley just announced that he was leaving Providence, and he's now the head coach of Georgetown. Um, kind of interesting there. Um, Kentucky, a really good team. They fall yesterday, though, to the Kansas State Wildcats, who have put together a heck of a tournament so far. Um, we talked about him, I believe, was I think it was before the, the conference tournaments. Marquise Noel, dude. The dude's an absolute baller. Maybe one of the smallest guys in the tournament. Um, listen to this stat, Garrett, that I, I saw on uh, CBS Sports College Basketball, citing my sources. Players with 40-plus points and 20-plus assists prior to the Sweet 16 in a single men's NCAA tournament since 1990. 2019, John ja Morant, and now 2023, Marquise Noel. His ability to pass amongst the trees being as small as he is um is incredible and he willed this team to to victory really against Kentucky because Kentucky had the Kansas State Wildcats on the ropes um with about mm, probably a little over a minute and a half to play probably like a minute 45 he hits a gigantic three pointer from deep to give the uh K- to give K State the lead, I believe they were up by two at that point, and then they come back down and Keontae Johnson, who's been the best player for K State, who I didn't think had a very good game yesterday, hit a huge three as well to put them up five and really kind of the dagger. Uh, you could feel the momentum completely uh, shift, and the wind was kind of out of Kentucky's sails at, at that point. But Oscar Shibway kept Kentucky in this game. Um, I, you know, K-State played well enough to win, um, but he was a man. I feel kind of bad for him. He went for 25 and 18, I believe. He was all over the glass, and really, K-State didn't have much of an answer. 
um, outside of their guard play. But the Cats, the Purple Cats, moving on to the Sweet 16, they'll take on Michigan State, who, I mean, say what you will about Tom Izzo and his inability to win a natty, but that dude knows how to coach this tournament. Uh, they start their season or they start their tournament uh, run with a big win over USC, who a lot of people had beating Michigan State, by the way. Um, they beat them by 10, 72, 62, a really tough, tough game for them um, because USC honestly kind of slept on in the Pac-12. We we honestly didn't do them justice on this show because they were uh, they finished third in the Pac-12, but they figured out a way to win. And they took down Marquette, who you and I were high on. Um, I had them going to the Elite Eight. I had them beating K-State in the Sweet 16 to go to the Elite Eight. So um, Marquette, kind of a disappointing end to their season, honestly. They were really poised, I thought, to make a big run, but they couldn't get it done. So it sets up a K-State-Michigan State Sweet 16 uh, matchup, another top blue blood program that K-State's going to have to go against. And I'm really intrigued by this game. I think there's a lot in this game. I think both teams have great guard play. Um I love Keontae Johnson. He is an un- he's an unbelievable player. And last thing I'll say before I turn it over to you, I saw that Jerome Tang for K-State, the head coach, is a national finalist for Coach of the Year. I don't see how he doesn't win it. K-State was picked to finish last in the Big 12. And um, if I have my notes correct, they are the only – excuse me, them in Texas are the only Big 12 teams remaining in the tournament – Nobody predicted this for K-State, so hats off to them, and what a Sweet 16 matchup. Yeah, Chan. Uh, I'm sure that uh, not only you, but uh, old Cam Collins is a really, really happy guy right now. Absolutely. Um, having his K-State Wildcats in the Sweet 16. Um, and honestly, Chan, besides that fairly Dickinson and Florida Atlantic game last night, I promise you I'm not just saying this. I think that that Kentucky K-State game was one of my favorite games of the entire tournament so far. Yeah. It was so fun to watch, and dudes were just out there making plays. Uh, Marquise Noel, man, he is just electric. He's so fun to watch. Uh, talk about a just a, a baller, a gamer, a dog, like whatever you want to call him, man. He he's that, and uh, like you said, just willed his team to win. Um, had an unbelievable couple of shots late in the game. Huge uh, momentum shifts. I mean, just the dude is not scared to shoot from five or six feet behind the line. I mean, he shoots it from way deep. Uh, he had that behind-the-back pass to Keontae Johnson for the dunk in transition. That was just disgusting. And then uh, me and you were texting about this yesterday as well, that no-look alley-oop to end the half. Oh, uh, Just sexy. phenomenal. So um, when you got your best players stepping up and playing their best basketball, like you can't ask for anything more. Uh, if you're K-State and um, going to be an unreal matchup, I feel like that K-State Michigan State game. I think that's going to be a super, super good game. Uh, I was in the same boat as you, Chan. I did not have Michigan State making it this far at all. Um, I mean, their final record in the regular season was 19 and 12. Uh, but like you said, you cannot count Tom Izzo out. Um, he's just a phenomenal coach. One of the best to ever do it. I actually saw something that said that he, in the last uh, 20 years, Tom Izzo has made the Sweet 16 15 out of the 20 seasons. I mean, that is just unreal. I don't care what program you are. That is, that's just phenomenal. Um, 
that just level of consistency and level of excellence is just it uh you really got to give them a lot of credit so um no one was talking about michigan state um and i can guarantee you that hardly anyone had them again going to the sweet 16 so for them to do so uh hats off to them for sure and uh Man, in that East region, it's going to be a, a two phenomenal matchups. And uh, if I was a betting man, I would say that uh, that K-State is going to go to the Final Four, in my opinion. I know we were just talking a lot about Florida Atlantic uh, and how hot they are right now, but I think that K-State's going to match up with Florida Atlantic in the Elite Eight, and uh, I got K-State going to the Final Four. Regardless of – well, first off, my dad will be happy to listen to that, but um... – Regardless of who comes out of the East, it's going to be a seven, a three, a four, or a nine seed. Uh, that is the beauty of this tournament. Anybody can really win it, um, and and the East is going to provide us with with a lower seed um, moving forward. Let's flip over to the West Coast. Started on the East Coast. We'll go to the West Coast now. Um, the Kansas Jayhawks handled Howard. Um, they looked really good, poised to go on another run. Um, but they met up with Arkansas, who took down Illinois in the first round by 73-63 final score. Um, Eric Musselman is another – I think he's kind of the up-and-coming Izzo, in my opinion. His team's getting the tournament. This is the second year in a row that they've beaten the one seed. Um, they beat Kansas 72-71. Last year they beat Gonzaga um, in the same situation. Um they are really fun to watch, and I really, really like Ricky Council the fourth. Um, not he wouldn't win a he wouldn't win the FIO name competition, but Ricky Council the fourth is a great name. They are super athletic, and they are kind of like the better or best version of a FAU or FDU, really, because they flat out get up and down the floor and they do it in control. And they speed teams up. And I know Kansas likes to get out and run, but I think that this Kansas team, a little bit more accustomed to playing in the half court, trying to get their shots up, um, just b- based on their personnel. Um, and and it was just a really – it was a back-and-forth game, dude. I Either team could have won this one. Um, I don't – you know, we, we talk on here all the time about how we don't love Kansas, but we like watching them play. Um, Tough to see them go out because I think if they could have gotten past Arkansas, they they are poised to go to the Final Four, in my opinion. Um, but they don't. And Arkansas right now is playing as well as anybody. They started in the SEC tournament and have continued this hot streak through to the NCAA tournament. And the sky's the limit right now for the Hogs. Um, Garrett, what do you think? Yeah, I got to give a quick shout-out to my little brother, Jake. He was super stoked for uh, for Arkansas. On, really, really happy about that. On on he, his uh on his snap story, bro, he was turned up. It was sweet to see. Oh man, he was loving it. He was loving yeah. every second of it. So I was texting with him, and he was uh he was beyond stoked. So super happy for him. Um, and yeah, man, dude, Arkansas, a bunch of dogs again, and uh, that man Charles Barkley was actually talking about they were kind of given a quick rundown of all the sweet 16 games last night. And he was talking about uh, this Arkansas and Yukon matchup being his favorite one. And uh, he was saying how just much of a physical game it's going to be just tough, hard nosed, 
like you said, get up and down the floor, pick you up full court, a lot of ball pressure. Um, so that's going to be a really fun game to watch. And and I honestly think Arkansas is going to be able to get past UConn. UConn's really, really good. Uh, but again, man, I mean, these teams, they just – they get this momentum in the tournament, and they just – I feel like sometimes they just ride that wave. And um, Arkansas is obviously feeling really, really good about themselves, knocking off Kansas – um, in a phenomenal game, uh, 72-71, great game to watch. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I hate to – it's tough, Chan, because you never want to get too high on teams and you never want to be like, oh, you know, just because of momentum they're going to win and because of previous games. Because I can guarantee you that UConn does not give a damn that Arkansas – just beat Kansas. They could care less. So you don't want to, uh, if you're Arkansas, you don't want to be feeling too good about yourself and then try and possibly overlook UConn and think you're just going to, uh, it's going to be a walk in the park because it's absolutely not. UConn's a really, really good team. So you hope that Arkansas just stays consistent and uh, plays their best basketball this next game. Yeah, let's talk about UConn. They took down Iona, which a lot of people kind of picked that as a potential upset. Um, they smacked Iona, eighty-seven to six. Excuse me, yeah, eighty-seven to sixty-three. Um, their size was the difference in that one. Iona didn't have anybody they could guard. Their their post players, uh, our guy Adama Sonogo, is an absolute stud. I think he po- poses a huge issue for Arkansas. Um, Arkansas kind of lacks that big guy that can defend another big guy, in my opinion. They kind of do it by committee, um, which can prove to be helpful um, or effective. But on the flip side, when you have a guy that can be dominant down low, it can change a basketball game. Um, And really, going back to the Kentucky-K-State game, if it wasn't for Oscar Sheboy's dominance – I think K-State blows out Kentucky. Kentucky ended the that first half unable to score the basketball, um, and Sheboy just continued to, to will that team uh, to make it a game at the end. But UConn, they smacked St. Mary's. St. Mary's defeated VCU 63-51, who I picked VCU. I think a lot of people picked VCU to upset St. Mary's because I don't believe in St. Mary's ever. Um, I thought they were very fraudulent, but they proved everybody wrong. Um, picked up a big first round win and kind of the same story for UConn and St. Mary's. Um, you know, UConn wins by 15. They're, they're really solid and they're playing really tough minded basketball right now. And I think that UConn gets past Arkansas. I think they can go to the final four because they're going to play the winner of Gonzaga and UCLA, who we'll talk about here in a second, but they have a great combination of great guard play, which we always talk about on the show. And like I said, Sonogo down low. Um, it's going to be a very, it's going to be one of those clash of styles uh, in Arkansas and UConn in the sweet 16, because like I mentioned before, Arkansas wants to get up and down the floor quickly and really push the pace. And UConn kind of wants to slow it down and play more in the half court. So it's going to be which brand plays better, which brand executes better. And I got to get the slight edge right now to UConn, in my opinion, because I think their ability to execute is going to prove a huge factor in this one. So I'll take the Huskies, but um, a very intriguing matchup for sure. I love it, Chan, because I got Arkansas. I'm riding with the Hogs, man. 
yeah. we'll, we'll uh, I, I always love to disagree or agree to disagree on some of these matchups. That makes it a little bit more interesting. Absolutely. And it's, it, it's regardless, I wouldn't mind Arkansas winning, really. I don't really have a dog in this fight. I think I picked UConn um, in my bracket. So I guess, you know, like I just said, I'll root for the Huskies, but I'll give a shout out to Sneeze. Hopefully the Hawks can get it done. Uh, moving down in the West, um, TCU and Arizona State, um, a heck of a play-in or a, a, a first-round game. Arizona State won the play-in game, beating, um, uh, excuse me, yeah, Nevada. That was not a contest, um, an absolute slaughter fest uh, for the Sun Devils. But they let really they let one slip away against TCU. TCU came back and found a way to win. Mike Miles Jr. Um, it's a shame that he's out of this tournament because he was an unbelievable player for TCU, not only in this tournament, but also in the Big 12 tournament because he had missed some time for TCU and kind of kind of the result of them slipping a little bit to that sixth seed in the Big 12 tournament. They had, they had a really good run. Um, they came up just short against Gonzaga, who I just am not sold on Gonzaga. I really am not. I know that they are obviously in the Sweet 16 in the position that they're in, but I just – I don't know. I, maybe it's because of their conference. Maybe it's because I don't want to buy into them and their their tournament history, but they just don't wow me. They haven't wowed me all tournament, um, and they're going to play against UCLA, who has had a great start to their tournament. They took down Northwestern in, this, in the round of 32. Um, Northwestern beat Boise in the first round. Uh, by eight um, Northwestern kind of one of those just kind of feel good stories. They hadn't been in the tournament in a while. Um, they could have won the big 10 tournament, almost beat Purdue, but it was just kind of their time to lose. Um, in my opinion, UCLA, my champion in the figure it out pod bracket challenge. So hopefully they get past Gonzaga, which I think they will. Um, we talk about him all the time, but Jaime Jaquez, he is awesome to watch. Um, they're a team, I feel like they're a combination of, they want to get up and down the floor, but if they don't, if they don't have to, they don't have to, if they can play in the half court with, uh, with Tiger Campbell, um, you know, facilitating that offense, it's going to be a, a really, really good matchup, uh, UCLA Gonzaga, the two and the three seed, um, the highest, I believe remaining sweet 16 seeds, if my notes are correct. Um, no, they, they match Xavier and Texas in the Midwest region at the two and the three. Um, so I'm taking the Bruins. I have to take the Bruins. Um, and I would not pick against Gonzaga or excuse me. I would not pick Gonzaga. So I, I, I love this UCLA team. Yeah. I think that, um, out of all the remaining games in the sweet 16, I think that this is one of the most intriguing matchups. Um, Gonzaga and UCLA I think on paper that's probably um, going into it going to be one of the best one of the best games that we do have this round and uh, I agree Chan I, I think I do think that Gonzaga I think they're pretty good you know they, they have that experience um, they have Drew Timmy who I feel like has been there for 12 years like, seems like he's been there forever um, but you know, he, he's a gamer. He's a baller. They, they don't really have as much firepower as they've had in previous years, I feel like, uh, talking about Gonzaga. And uh, UCLA, man, I, wow. I think that they were one of the, one of the, if not the best remaining team in this entire tournament. 
Um, so the fact that you picked them in the figure it out podcast, uh, bracket challenge, you're licking your chops at that one for sure. Yeah. Uh, you're hoping and praying that they make it all the way to that national championship game. Um, UCLA is just really fun to watch, man. They, Jaime Jaquez just, I mean, he just, he just gets it done and he, uh, we talk about it all the time, Chan. He's a guy that you love having on your team and you hate playing against. So, um, I, I also like UCLA in that, uh, in that matchup as well. And, um, sorry, Jake. I know I just uh, picked Arkansas to beat UConn, but I think uh, UCLA and Arkansas, I think UCLA takes that one and goes to the Final Four. Love it, especially for the bracket. Let's jump up to the Midwest. We'll start with the one seed in the Midwest, the Houston Cougars. A lot of people think they're the best team in the tournament remaining. Um, Through the first two games, I don't know why that would be incorrect. They absolutely throttled um, Auburn in the round of 32. But they did struggle a little bit with the North Northern Kentucky Norse, which, by the way, I don't think we even talk about that. Uh, what a nickname or what a mascot that is. I don't even know what the Norse is. But um, Houston handled business in the round of 32 against Auburn. They just really flat-out blitzed them, making shots, um, just out-athleticized the Auburn Tigers which is probably is, is incredibly tough to do because I thought that Auburn was one of the most um, athletic teams coming in. They beat Iowa in the first round. Um, and I honestly thought that this Auburn team could catch fire um, after that win. But I was very wrong. Houston is a wagon. They are really, really fun to watch. They set up an awesome matchup with Miami, who has cruised through this, the first two rounds. Um Jim Laranega is a coach. I think he's incredibly underrated. Um, our buddy figured out pod correspondent, uh, football edition, Blaine Wheeler nailed the nailed it with this point. They absolutely took away Drake's best player and made them made them try and beat uh beat them with their other guys, and Drake could not get it done. They took away Tucker DeReeves, the coach's kid. Um, and for those Missouri Valley listeners, you know all about Drake and the DeVries family. Um, really, really solid program. But Miami, too good a guard play. And people were putting up a lot of emphasis on their big guy being out, having gotten hurt in the ACC tournament. But they turn around and, and absolutely destroyed Indiana. That game was never really close, in my opinion, last night. Um even with big guys on Indiana like Trace Jackson Davis, who just couldn't figure out a way to get it done, and it was all because of coaching. And the Miami Hurricanes found themselves in the Sweet 16, and they will take on Houston. Um, I'm going to take Houston because I don't. I think you have to beat the best to to really obviously knock them out. It might be a duh statement, but I like Houston in this matchup, and I've liked Houston so far this tournament. Yeah, Houston's really, really good, Chan, and um, they've been dealing with some injuries here as of late. Uh, they did get their guy Marcus Sasser back in this last game against Auburn. Um, I think that that gave them a huge, uh, huge boost. Obviously, getting one of your best players back is always uh, a huge bonus. And um, they also have, uh, oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank, Chan, Shed, his first name. For Houston? Yes. Yeah, keep going. I'll look it up. Gosh, I don't know. I don't know why I can't think of his first name, but um, they have a pretty good uh, one-two punch in those guys. 
But, uh, Chan, I, I think Miami is really, really good this year. Um, I think this is one of the historically one of the best Miami teams that they've ever had uh, for as far as I can remember. And uh, they looked really, really good against Indiana. Um, Miami does have the ACC player of the year, Isaiah Wong. Uh, he can really score the ball. He had 27 points last night against Indiana. And uh, they did – Miami actually did get uh, – you mentioned it there – their key big guy um, was hurt in the ACC tournament. And uh, they actually did get him back yesterday against, um, against Indiana, Norshad or mirror. Um, pretty, uh, pretty good name right there for you. Um, but uh, getting a big guy that, that mans the middle like that and, and helps out your rebounding, helps out your defense is a huge bonus. And uh Man, I got a little upset right here, Chan. I, I do think that Miami is going to take down Houston. Wow. Um, it's Jamal Sheed for the Houston Cougars. Jamal. And, yep. and, and and what a prediction there. I mean, it can definitely happen. There's no reason why Miami can't win this game. Um, Houston, though, seems to be a different beast. We'll move down here. Um, Xavier and Texas go into the Sweet 16 on the bottom of the Midwest bracket. Um, Xavier started out by beating Kennesaw State. That was a matchup that a lot of people have their eyes on. A lot of people thought that uh, Kennesaw could maybe take down Xavier. Xavier's brand is too tough, and they're big guys. Uh, they have size, Xavier does. I really, really like their players. Um, they've defeated Pitt uh, on Saturday, um, 84-73. Pitt, winner of the play-in game over Mississippi State, took – took down Iowa State, throttled Iowa State, who could not buy a basket in the first uh, round game against Pitt. Um, I think they shot something crazy low, like 20% from the floor or something like that. You're never going to win a game if you do that. Um, and their their run just kind of ran out. Um, Xavier proved too tough. Sean Miller, actually a fun fact about Sean Miller, a Pittsburgh graduate took down his alma mater by 11. Um, Xavier poised i think right now to make it to the elite eight they will take on texas who smacked colgate and took down penn state who penn state had been playing really hot defeated texas a&m a team that we were really high on um coming into this tournament a team that we thought got slided at the seven seed um texas is really good Garrett I love Marcus Carr so much um I think he's an unbelievable guard and then of course our guy Serge Jabari Rice um and a guy that Texas has had come on late in the Big 12 tournament really is Dylan DeSue um I believe it's Dylan um yeah yeah he he is he's really good athletic can score at all three levels in my opinion I love his back to the basket game um, he was able to kind of get his way against Penn State, and they really couldn't find an answer. I don't think that score is very indicative of that game. I thought Texas was in control the entire game. They only win by five, but I, th I think I think the score is is a little um, lower or a little closer than what it really looks like. Texas and Xavier in the Sweet 16, it's going to be interesting. I do question Texas's size against Xavier um, because Xavier has kind of willed its way in the paint so far in the first two rounds, uh, it's really going to come down to how Texas can score, in my opinion. I'm going to take the Longhorns because I do think that a Texas versus Houston trip to the Final Four would be really cool and um, an awesome opportunity for the state of Texas, obviously. 
in that battle. But um, there's no reason why Xavier couldn't win. Yeah, Jan, I, I love the takes. Um, Texas is really, really good. They're uh, playing some of their best basketball that they have all season long. Um, whenever you get a guy like Dylan DeSue, um that has come on as, as well as he has lately, I mean, he had 28 points on Saturday. Um, whenever you can get that uh, scoring com- contribution from a big guy like that, while also having really good guard play in Marcus Carr, Serge Jabari Rice, um, another one that they did get back that did not play in the Big 12 tournament, Timmy Allen. Yeah. Uh, he did not play in the Big 12 tournament. And uh, getting him back is a huge plus. Uh, so I am actually going to go ahead and take Texas in this matchup against Xavier. And uh, I'm going to ride with Texas all the way to the Final Four, Chan. Wow. A little bit of a bold prediction. Um, but, yeah, I got in the Elite Eight, I got Texas in Miami. And I got Texas knocking them off to go to the final four. Um, I think that they're just, they're one of the hottest teams right now um, playing some of their best basketball, really cool storyline with Texas with their uh, interim coach. Um, you know, that guy's got to be on cloud nine right now. Just, I can't even imagine being an interim coach and taking your team all the way to the sweet 16. Um you know that that guy's going to get a uh, major contract extension, I'm, I'm assuming. And uh, so he's got to be really happy about that. And uh, it, it seems like the, the guys at Texas really love to play for him. So pretty cool story right there. Um, and, yeah, man, Texas, historically, last couple years, haven't really heard a whole lot about them. Um, I feel like whenever we were growing up, Chan, they were really, really relevant. And, you know, Texas was kind of in the mix every single year. Uh, last couple of years hasn't really been the case. So I think that they're, uh, they're really revitalizing their program. And, and uh, I think that they're going to go all the way to the Final Four, in my opinion. Yeah, I think a lot of people hate Texas. And I heard this on another podcast, so I'm not going to act like I, I made it up. But it was a great point. Um, I think Texas is a victim of how much people hate their football program. Um, anything with the word Texas, uh, it kind of has a has a bad connotation. And really, there's no reason to hate the Texas basketball program. Um, they've really, really honestly, in terms of comparing their resources to their uh, their winning, it, it really isn't comparable. Um, it really has been kind of lackluster for us. So it's good for Texas to be back on the national stage. One final point I'll make about Xavier, Jack Nunge is the guy that uh, I, I was kind of mentioning there with Xavier's size. A seven-foot forward, I love his back to the basket. I think he's super athletic for being as big as he is. Could cause some serious issues for Texas moving forward. Um, but I do like the Longhorns in that matchup. Let's jump over final side of the bracket, the South, um, Alabama, cruises through their first two games. They look poised to go to the final four. I don't see any way that San Diego state beats them in the sweet 16. Um, they're, they are living on cloud nine right now. In my opinion, their ability to score Brandon Miller, um, weird stat for Brandon Miller, I think against, was it against Texas A&M Corpus Christi or Maryland? He didn't have any points, right? Yeah. I believe that that was, uh, that was the first round game, I'm pretty sure. Let me double check that. Again, so while you check that, against Texas A&M Corpus Christi, they won 96-75, to 75, and their best player 
did not have a single point registered. Um, that just goes to show you how good Bama can score. Um, it. We always talk about defense being able to travel, but if your offense is that electric, I don't care how good you are on defense. And that's kind of why I really honestly wanted that Virginia Alabama matchup to see which brand of basketball would be, would be uh, the winner in that one. But as we mentioned already, Virginia crashes out in the first round. They'll take on the Aztecs. The Aztecs, uh, they got by the College of Charleston, who a lot of people picked the College of Charleston to upset San Diego State. And Skip, I think maybe, I think, were you potentially maybe in that boat? Did you maybe pick College of Charleston? I did pick College of Charleston, uh, so I did not get that one right. However, I did pick Furman. So okay, yeah, true. So excited about that. <laughs> so yeah, it balanced out for sure. But the Aztecs get by the College of Charleston, and then they defeated Furman, uh, big. Furman, kind of one of those teams that was a product of the tournament, um, being able to win the first round game. Um, but then in the second round, San Diego State did look really good. I will give them a lot of credit, but I think that they are they're running into a buzzsaw here in Bama. I don't think there's any reason why Alabama won't win this game. Yeah, Chan. Um, to confirm that, Brandon Miller did not score a single point in the first round game. He was 0 for 5 from the field and 0 for 3 from 3. However, he did only play 19 minutes, um, so not even half the game really. But, uh, I mean, still a pretty dominant win for, for Bama. The yeah. fact that they by 21 points and then I'd be curious, Chan, if uh, those first two rounds, that's got to be one of the largest margins of victory for the first two games of the tournament. I mean, they won by 21 points in the first round and then turn around and win by 22 points in the second round. Yeah, that's I mean, that's pretty impressive. Um, Bama is really, really good. They do have uh, a lot of balance on their team. Uh, I really like Javon Quinterly the lefty that they have, the lefty guard. Uh, he can really score. I believe that he had, let me see, let me double check. I think he had like over 20 points in their second round game um, against Maryland, I believe. So whenever you can give support to Brandon Miller like that, because uh, obviously he's there's going to be very few games in his entire career that he's not going to score. Um, whenever you don't miss a beat and you get that uh, bench contribution um, from other guys that's really really important uh yeah javon cornerly had 22 points against maryland so um bama's playing really good right now i've been high on bama all year um they're definitely a buzzsaw i don't see them having any trouble getting past san diego state moving down um uh, maybe one of the surprises of the tournament given where they are now um the creighton blue jays big first round win against the nc state wolfpack uh, that was a matchup that I picked. I picked NC State to beat Creighton. Um, I had watched a bit of Creighton here down the stretch. I think I watched three or four games of them, including the Big East tournament. I just didn't love it. Um, but obviously, I was very, very, very wrong. Um, I love their ability to shoot the basketball. Uh, Ryan Nimhard is one of the most underrated uh, point guards in the country. Um, he really makes them go, but Creighton really kind of can score at all three levels. Um, and, and it's kind of proven so far in this tournament, they took down Baylor 85, 76 in the round of 32. Um, Baylor was really never in this game. Baylor beat university of California, Santa Barbara. 
um, 74-56, but turned around and just kind of laid an A against Creighton. And I had Baylor going really far. Um, I think I had them playing Bama in the uh, in the Elite Eight. Um, so <sighs> Creighton is going to play Princeton. Um, this is probably one of the most outlandish uh, Sweet 16 matchups that we have in the tournament, um, given the names of the schools. Um, you know, Princeton absolutely throttled Missouri after taking down number two seed Arizona, which I'll leave that for you, Garrett. Um, I was high on Arizona, of course, but I know that you were a lot higher than me on them. Um, Missouri beat Utah State in the first round, uh, and then they laid an egg against Princeton. It's one thing to lose to Princeton, but Princeton was all over them from the jump. And really, if Princeton continues to shoot like that, I think they made 12 threes against the Tigers um, in the round of 32. Battle of the Tigers, if you will. If they can shoot like that, I don't know. There's no reason why they can't win. I'm going to take Creighton because I think they're the better basketball team on paper. But we have seen so far in this tournament that that doesn't really matter. Um, it's actually a very intriguing matchup. Two Brainiac schools, um, two smaller schools. Um, I, I, I really kind of want to pick Princeton just to continue this a uh, little the Cinderella run because that's exactly what it is. But I'm going to take Creighton. Um, very intriguing matchup, Skip. Talk a little bit about uh, the Arizona Wildcats. Man, they absolutely laid an egg, Chan. Um, I was really high on them. I thought that they were going to have a lot of momentum going into this tournament coming off a Pac-12 championship. Um, you know, as all the listeners know, we've been having that debate all season long about uh, Arizona and UCLA, me taking Arizona being the better team in my opinion, and they come out and lose the first round game. Uh, for them to only score 55 points is just, just unacceptable. And, um, you know, Princeton is a really good basketball team and they proved that uh the fact that you're mizzou and you win your first round game you play pretty well i mean they're doing cartwheels the fact that that princeton won that game because they obviously did not want to play arizona so they go into that game playing princeton feeling good about themselves and then princeton just smacks them I mean, Mizzou did not have a single chance in that game at all from the moment um, that game started. And uh, just an embarrassing performance from Mizzou. But I think, I don't know, as inexcusable as it is for Arizona to lose that first-round game, I think that Princeton dominating Mizzou in the second-round game kind of, you know, doesn't make it as bad, quote-unquote. But it's still bad. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's still awful. I mean, I had Arizona making it all the way to the Elite Eight, uh, playing Bama to go to the Final Four. So just inexcusable for Arizona, man. Um, I mean, they've had several early round exits uh, in the tournament in previous years recently. Um, I thought that this was the year that they were going to get past that, but I was uh, I was definitely wrong on that one. And um, Princeton, man, what a, what a phenomenal story. Uh, me and you were talking about this. Three straight years with a 15 seed in the Sweet 16. Really, really cool to see that. Uh, we had St. Peter's two years ago. We had Oral Roberts a couple years ago. Um, and then we have Princeton this year. So a phenomenal story. Um, I mean, if you had Creighton and Princeton in your Sweet 16, 
I would love to have known how much money you would have made from that because the odds of that had to be slim to none. Um, So just a phenomenal story. I'm right there with you, Cham. As much as I uh, have enjoyed watching Princeton with with, uh, their Cinderella run, I do think it's going to come to an end with Creighton. Creighton's a really, really good team. Um, they're playing really good basketball right now. Ryan Nimhart is is uh, very fun to watch. He had 30 points last night uh, in that game against Baylor. Uh, Baylor, another team that we were both pretty much uh, really high on all season long. Did not expect them to lose that second-round game against Creighton. Um, so for, uh, for Creighton to come out and dominate them the way that they did, uh, they are really putting themselves on the map. So, um, Chan, we got we got great matchups all around, all across the board in the Sweet Sixteen. It's going to be really interesting to see what ends up happening. And um, I mean, a six fifteen matchup in the Sweet Sixteen with that being Creighton against Princeton, uh, just just phenomenal. Honestly, you, you love to see it. <laughs> yeah, and it it really is the definition of this tournament because what a weird number matchup too. I wonder when the last time a six and fifteen squared off in the Sweet Sixteen. I don't know what off the top of my head, but I would be very curious to know. Um, it 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 was a hell of a of an opening weekend, and and uh, fortunately for us, it's not over. Um, Skip, if you have any final thoughts on on the round of sixty four and the round of thirty two, if not, I think I think that's the show. I mean, honestly, Chan, they're looking at these teams remaining. There, I, I think that there are several teams that could really contend to make it to the national championship. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's honestly the beauty of it. There's not like one dominant team that that uh, everyone is just kind of taking. Maybe Bama, maybe, but um, we, we still don't know about them one hundred percent. So honestly, Chan, it, it's going to be a great next couple rounds. I cannot wait to see what happens. And uh, like we said, if it's as, as exciting as these first couple rounds have been, we're definitely in for a treat. Yeah, I do think that uh, my my final thought here is I do think Bama has the easiest route. I mean, I think that they get by San Diego State. And regardless of the winner of Creighton and Princeton, I think that they slaughter either, either of those teams, really. I really do. But uh, that's why they play the games, and that's why we watch them. We will be watching them all this week. Um, I believe that the Sweet 16 starts Thursday and Friday, and then the Elite Eight is Saturday and Sunday. We'll be back next Monday with our Final Four uh, set in stone. Um, cannot wait to break down the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight matchups with you next week. We'll, 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 we will be back. Um, only, unfortunately, we have two more episodes to go here um as we as we get to the end of the tournament but uh skip as always i appreciate your time uh listeners follow us on social media at figure it out underscore pod um love the support thank you for everybody that signed up for the bracket challenge we should uh we we we, you know we don't have very much longer so we should know our winner here very soon um it's going to be a fun fun ride to the end skeeby I can't wait to see who wins that bracket challenge, Chan. <laughs> uh, I know it's gonna be it's gonna be uh it's gonna be interesting, but um, I appreciate your time as always, Skip. We'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir, brother. Always, man. We'll talk All to right. you. Sec- we'll talk to you later, Chan. See you, buddy.